Welcome to Spotcast, episode for number 14. My name is Tim Mitra and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined as usual by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right. And uh, Jonathan can't make it today. He just flew back in and boy, his, his, are his arms tired. Anyhow, but he did leave us some fact checks. So let's uh, let's roll with that, shall we? And um, so he said that 3127, Fox doesn't indeed hold the, the film rights to the Fantastic Four, as Jaime suspected. Uh, if Disney buys Fox, the only major Marvel character they won't hold the rights to is would be Spider-Man. And of course, all his villains and supporting characters. So, But he's in the new uh, Avengers movie, right? Avengers? Yeah, yes. and it was a, a big deal that Spider-Man Homecoming was going to cross over into the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe with uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Right, right. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like Avengers, uh, what, Civil War, and then Spider-Man Homecoming, is sort of its own movie, uh, but still within the same universe, and then, you know, continuing on to Avengers Infinity War. Cool, yeah. I was just watching um, Interspace, which I like to watch on, on Space Channel here, and they were talking about the, the, the big trailer that dropped, and I think we were speculating whether um, Jeremy Irons' character was going to be in it. He plays Hawkeye, is that right? Not Jeremy Irons, um, Jeremy something or other. The guy from, you know, the movie with the bombs and the... Yeah, the Hurt Locker. That's how I always Hurt think Locker. of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, the guy in the Hurt Locker. Yeah, him. He plays Hawkeye or something, right? The arrow dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the one that's married. Anyway, uh, what's his name? Holy cow. Okay, we need to fact check guy here. <laughs> anyway, he's uh, he's in, uh, he's going to be in the show. And, um, and they have confirmed that Brie Larson is going to do um, Captain Marvel. She is, right? In the in the film, so everybody, every, all the all the major you know Marvel actors are are going to be in the in the show in this movie, right? So and Thanos is going to finally have his day in the. He's always been on the outskirts of of those other movies, right? Yeah, he's always been lurking, Plotting. lurking, and in, in a little bit more involved in in some than others. Like I think Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one is probably the one that he's the most. I think he's the most in and for that one. I don't know. Sure, sure. I think so because he's actually like they actually interact with him and talk to him. Uh, not not right. the Guardians of the Galaxy themselves but uh, some of the characters oh yeah 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 anywho um so uh i get some follow-up here um toronto actress or toronto actor mia kirshner who we know and love from she i think she plays um michael burnham's adopted mother um just drawing a blank on what her name is now um but also spock's mom um on star trek on the sorry on star trek discovery and uh, she was on um, Q Radio talking to Tom Power about a, a program, uh, like a program she's starting called After Me Too, which talks about, you know, all the things that are going to be going on in, in, you know, popular culture where all these, you know, um, bad men have been, you know, outed by this Me Too campaign. So she's talking about what we do after Me Too and talking about moving on and how we can change the way society looks at sexual harassment and assault and more. So um, that's a good, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes there to her interview, which she you can find on uh, Overcast or whatever podcatcher you prefer to use. So I'd certainly give you, hopefully give that a list, a short, short piece there. Um, some of the rest of the stuff here in the show is Jonathan's stuff. So we're just going to wing it and go through it. So um, I have no idea what this one means. First look at Robin in the upcoming Teen Titans. Yeah, so this is follow-up to when we talked about DC doing a live animated version of Titans. And I think right. we were talking about it in the context of doing it as one of the exclusive shows to their uh, nascent or very soon to be released streaming service. Right. right. Oh, I see. Okay. And Teen Titans, these are the 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 
sidekicks of all the all the various superheroes, right? Yeah, for the most part, you have like uh, what Robin and Wonder Girl and uh, Kid Flash, uh, Wally West, who eventually becomes the Flash and I think is still the Flash. I don't know. It's been a while since I've kept up with current DC Comics continuity, but but you're right. It's generally the hey, Teen Titans was the one that was a little bit more uh, youth friendly. You know, they were all right. teenagers, yeah. and then Titans, I think, expanded from there um, as they're a little bit more adult and probably in their 20s, I think. Like right. Oh, I see. Yeah, it says it refers to them as Teen, teen Titans here, but it's uh, they've got listed Raven, Starfire, and Beast Boy, I guess, which are the Titans? Question mark. Yeah, uh, Cyborg is in there as well. Normally, if for the comic book continuity or from right. the, um, Cartoon Network uh, Teen Titans animated series. Um, cool. Right. Kind of guessing since Cyborg is in the DC Extended Universe movies, I imagine he's probably not going to show up here on this show, especially because he's probably rather expensive to produce given he's largely CGI and a little bit of human face showing through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And apparently Sabrina the Teenage Witch is coming to uh, Netflix and a two-season order. So this is a different... Well, I guess Sabrina was was a character sh- offshoot from... Um, this is... We had a... There was a TV show called Sabrina on TV a while ago, right? Yes, you're probably thinking of the sitcom version of... Uh, with Starring Melissa Joan Hart. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, on yeah. one of uh, one of those side channels like UPN or CW or something. It, it wasn't like sure. a primary channel, but definitely a little bit more like... A bit more like Bewitched, I think, than, than... Yeah, a bit more like the show Bewitched was back in the day, right? Um, so yeah. this is a new, this is out of the, uh, the the Riverdale show, I guess. Yeah, I think that's the intention. So there, there actually is the um, as they show here in the in the photo, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a little bit more of a uh, mature take on the character, similar to, I guess, some of the modern takes on the Archie Comics Riverdale type thing, where they they do have like the normal like for kids funny comics, and then they'll have the ones that are a little bit more mature, where it could be weird things like, oh, what if what if we showed them in the future where Archie she has in separate universes or separate continuities married Betty or Veronica or where he's faced off against the Predator or, you know, all sorts of other <laughs> things. Like, uh, I guess it's been rather successful because they've been doing it for years. And I think this is continuing off of that, that same sort of mindset where they, they created the um, the more mature, uh, C- I think it's a CW show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, Riverdale, yeah. Riverdale. Yeah. And yeah. I guess it's done really well on uh, Netflix reruns. And so they're going all in and say, hey, why don't we do that? with like Sabrina because we actually have money to do all the uh, special effects work for the spooky, scary stuff. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, um, just want to look up a note here that, uh, see if we can get overcast on this thing. Um, I just I just happened to be listening to, to Q or Q Radio yesterday and they were talking to a lady, I'm just going to find her name here. Alexandria Petsavas was on talking about how she's the, the person who um, curates the music for various shows and, and just so happens she does the music for Riverdale but where you may know her from is, is she she also did the music for the OC. And apparently back in the, you know, when the OC was first coming out, there wasn't sort of the whole iTunes uh, network and stuff like that. And so a lot of bands that she would play on the show, they would premiere music on the OC. And she was the person who chose that stuff. Just sort of, a, you know, sort of a closing the loop on on uh, the Riverdale show because she also does the uh, music selection for Riverdale. So have you watched that show at all, Riverdale? I haven't, but I have seen it on the Suggested For You carousel on Netflix. So maybe I'll have to give it a try. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
kind of wonder, um, have you seen it by any chance? I think I've seen the, like the ads for it, but I haven't really sat down and watched it. So I actually live in Riverdale. I live in the neighborhood I live in now. It's called Riverdale, actually. It's just kind of funny, right? <laughs> nice. And Riverdale High is just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there was a long, a short run TV show here in Toronto called Riverdale, which is about this neighborhood, which is, again, ironic as well. Uh, anywho, so moving on, we got, uh, oh, Stranger Things officially getting a third season. That's interesting. Yeah, they even put it as sort of like a, it's a no-brainer, of course. It's such a success for them. Um, uh, no spoilers for season two, but it definitely, uh, similar to season one, ends in a way where like, yeah, you you feel satisfied if they don't have mm. a third season, but um, you see how they can make a third one. So I, I feel like that's the best balance where, you know, uh, heaven forbid it had been, you know, not picked up. We'd be like, all right, well, I'm satisfied with these two seasons. But now that there is a third season, like, yes, awesome. You can start getting prepared. <laughs> right, right. And of course, the header image on their Twitter account is upside down. <laughs> right, right. Which is a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> all right. So I have no idea what uh, Ninja trailer draw- talks about with Batman. Is that a new movie coming out or? It is actually the one. I, let me see which one Jonathan put on here in the links because the one I, yeah, this is completely Japanese. I have no clue. I believe it is either, uh, it's either a rather short animated series or a movie or kind of an in-between thing that Japan tends to do. The OVAs, sure. like a, yeah. uh, essentially like a multi-part episode that you might as well consider an animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Except the con- the conceit here is that you have Batman and the Joker and, and other cast of characters from the DC universe as if it took place in the samurai period during Japan's uh, history. So the, the art style is rather interesting. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, I can't name the show, but another show it reminds me of is when there were these animated, uh, Japanese animated versions of Marvel's uh, Wolverine and Iron Man, if I'm not mistaken, where it's sort of like a Japanese take on the characters, where they're, they're largely the same, but then they change things a little bit to be a bit more uh, friendly to Japanese audiences. Right, cool. The next link he's got in here is uh, apparently um, Columbia is making a line of Star Wars Hoth jackets. So you can get the Echo Base um, jacket that Luke Skywalker wears, you know, which is which they claim is warmer than a Tauntaun. And uh, also got uh, uh, Han Solo, at, you know, the Han Solo jacket, the Echo Base parka. And if you like the ladies version, they have the Leia Organa version of Echo Base jacket, you know, with the vest and the over, over jacket. Um, all done up exactly like they were on Hoth, but of course made by Columbia. So, so um, and you know, with waterproof and and uh, thermal uh, garments to keep you warm on those cold Hoth winter nights. And apparently, they, they'll be available by the time this podcast airs. They will definitely be available because as we as we record, there's like one hour left to go. So, Star Wars Battlefront Two, another piece that Jonathan's put here for us, apparently has fixed up the um, gameplay on Battlefront Two uh, to address the complaints that people were having. Um, so they've increased their credit cap of 500 points to 500 credits to 1500 credits, giving people more chance to play the game. Um, they've rolled out a dice update. According to dice, the, there's an update out that increases the amount of credits that can earn per, per match. Uh, so I guess making it easier for them to grind and, and earn uh, different characters as they were. Um, yeah, so I guess they're just making it more equitable to play. What else we got here? Star Wars cash. Interesting. So Star Wars is getting some last Jedi pound notes going for a hundred pounds going money going towards charity so they're printing up some uh, legal tender 
Um, they've got Kylo Ren and they've got uh, Luke and Ray on one of the notes. And uh, I guess that all that money is going towards charity. Of course, you know, you would never be without cash in this era when nobody uses money anymore. Videos start playing okay. in my head. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 has been updated to speed up the progression in which, you know, players can earn cash uh, or, sorry, earn points to uh, to get, uh, to earn their various things. So I guess you don't have to, you can grind for 20 hours instead of 40 hours now. Um, they've, they, I guess there was a daily uh, credit cap in arcade mode. They've raised it from 500 to 1500 credits so that people can earn, so players can learn even more credits so that they can uh, purchase uh, characters, I guess, that they need to play against. So I don't know if, and there's a quite a, there's been a quite a bit of backlash from, you know, I, you mentioned, I think the, um, some uh, European markets had complained about it as well, right? So yeah, it was so bad they started thinking about like, well, maybe it's actually gambling. We should look at the legality of this system. Yeah, yeah. EA really, <laughs> really put itself at risk and uh, kind of the whole AAA industry at, at risk in terms of being able to do this sort of thing. And now they're having you know, more government attention on their actions, right? And I think that uh, Jonathan mentioned last week that Disney has sort of weighed into it and sort of said, you know, that uh, they're not pleased with the way the their properties are being dealt with here in this case right so yeah i mean i don't know if they disagree with like the the money making side of it because i'm almost certain that disney gets some sort of royalty uh, beyond just the, the rights uh, but they're certainly not happy with having it be so bad that there's all of this bad publicity right before return i'm uh, sorry uh, the last jedi premieres so this one's you hey honey you got um something about altered carbon yes this is uh something that's going to be coming out on uh netflix starting uh february 2nd 2018 but it's a new uh, sci-fi it's apparently based on an award-winning novel. It takes place in a future where the human mind can now be digitized and downloaded into a cortical stack and placed into new bodies called sleeves. Really? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this property. Um, I imagine it sounds kind of matrixy to me. Right? I mean, yeah, it, it, it sounds like a couple other things. Like uh, we mentioned, Surrogate. I think were with um, Bruce Willis and, and a few other things that kind of come to mind, like Transcendence and stuff. But um, oh, as a note here, because I have it here, uh, the trailer that we'll link in the show notes for those of you transporting home uh, this is not safe for work so i highly <laughs> recommend you you watch this in an area where it's like okay because there's a little bit of nudity um, oh nice it's not it's not like pornographic nudity but it's uh, uh not safe for work less of, of, of male and female bodies because it's like the bodies don't mean anything is the, the sort of the gist i get of it right it's like they're just disposable sort of things you get rid of and you, you get a new body so you live forever essentially interesting cool and you got another one here wolverine is a new wolverine movie this is no, no. I see why you think that because the, the art style makes it look like that. No, this is Marvel's first scripted podcast that's coming out on uh, Stitcher Premium. Okay. And uh, it's a series that's going to kick off with a 10 episode season that's apparently going to be, I guess, like an old school radio drama. That's sort of how. Yeah, or, or an audiobook kind of thing. Yeah, I guess a radio drama would probably be like that. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like they're going to have, you know, sound effects and everything. It's not just uh, a narrator getting to the, the audiobook side. I think it's going to be a little bit more engaged. Or like, oh, he's walking. Ting, 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 ting. You know, you can hear it like, <laughs> they're like clanking on, on like metal plates and stuff. And, oh, he's scratching. <laughs> Uh, a little bit more professional than what I just did there, but uh, uh, kind of interesting that it's it's uh, going to come out there. I don't think it's full exclusive. I think it's uh, limited time exclusivity on uh, Stitcher Premium service. So if you happen to be into into that service, uh, might be worth checking out. I, I kind of envisioned it being like a radio drama version of what um, LeVar Burton does on LeVar Burton Reads podcast. That's uh, rather fantastic because it's just like one person reading and using different voices. And there is a little bit of 
um, uh, audio engineering going on where they'll add a little bit of sounds in the background. Sure, yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of audiobooks and um, like there's uh, the, a lot of the Star Wars books that are out right now. There's there's three three books that fit in between um, the movies, like uh, between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And uh, a couple of the characters that are in The Force Awakens are sort of, you know, part of this thing. And there's one guy who reads it and he does this amazing set of voices. Like he does a voice of a, a like a you know different you know aliens as well as a kid and his mother, you know. And then he does this really cool robot sort of voice, and it's just one guy doing the acting. And this also reminds me too of um, I have a set of discs upstairs that are uh, the I think BBC did a uh, Lord of the Rings or yeah Lord of the Rings yeah, and, they, and it was like a you know thirteen CD long you know epic thing. So that's probably what this is like where they do you know a certain number of hours and that's like the first episode and then they carry on the next day kind of thing or mm-hmm. next week mm-hmm. or whatever so interesting yeah because i think hugh jackman's finished doing that movie right or playing that character is not the gist of the what the last movie was about yeah it was not only a goodbye to the character but i think uh, a goodbye to that actor right yeah yeah and a, and a rather good one too uh, i recommend people watch logan if you haven't oh yeah that's, i think that's probably my best i think favorite of all the x movies i think x-men movies is probably my favorite one but I wonder if you have to sort of see the other ones to sort of get the context though, right? So I think it helps, but it, uh, it certainly helps fill in the flavor. But I think at some point when we kind of run into a dead zone of like shows not being available and movies not being available, I think we'll all want to talk about um, what makes a successful superhero movie. And I right. think Logan is a really good example where if it didn't involve superheroes, it would still be basically the same movie. It's it's essentially a Western movie. You yeah, that's John true. Yeah, yeah. Being in that movie and it would work just as well. Uh, and yeah, I think that sort of on the unforgiven of the x-men sort of thing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting huh. it was a good movie in and of itself that also happens to be with superheroes uh, rather than being like oh it's a superhero movie which means we need non-stop action and blah 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 right like it's like no no it's actually a good movie and that's why people loved it yeah i kind of wonder you know like have you seen the movie the book of eli oh that's the one with um, denzel washington denzel washington yeah 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 it's kind of so i kind of i wonder what it'd be like for someone to go see logan who would never who never knew about the x-men sort of universe, right? Because if you think about it, you know, he's an, he's an older guy who kind of you know, turns up on this place and he runs into Jean-Luc Picard and who's got this sort of mental capability to, to move things around. But you don't know why, right? You know, Professor X I'm talking about, right? Or is it Professor mm-hmm. X or Dr. X? Yeah, uh, Professor. <laughs> Professor X, yeah. Charles mm-hmm. Xavier, right? He, um, he's got this sort of, you know, he's got this m- mental capability, but now that he's now old and he's got you know, dementia and stuff like that, it's now an issue for him, right? So I think he lives inside a big metal uh, t- uh, can or whatever, like uh, an old abandoned oil refinery kind of oil storage tanker thing. So he can't really, you know, cast his his mental strength outside of that small area, right? Um, and and these two sort of old feeble guys getting together and, and kind of reminiscing and trying to you know deal with their their the, uh, the unfinished business that they have between each other, right? Um, and, and then you introduce this this uh, young young girl into the mix, right? Um, mm-hmm. And again, I'm I'm not spoiling the movie at all, right? Even just sort of laying out the the, the players, right? Um, and then you know where where it goes from there, and you know like the comedy ensues, and you know the the, the, the antics they get up to, and that kind of stuff. No, no, it's it's a very serious movie. It's a great movie. Actually, very, very well told, I think, right? And it's that same sort of, you know, um, wounded warrior kind of um, epic, right? Kind of like yes. like Gladiator and things like that as well, right? Cool. 
Mm-hmm. So what else do we got coming from Jordan Peele? I mean, what do you got for us there? Yeah, we talked about this before on the show, but, but I think at that point it was just a rumor. Now it's actually confirmed by CBS itself, who has announced today that uh, it's issued a series order for a revival of The Twilight Zone uh, with uh, Jordan Peele doing the uh, executive production, uh, some others in there as well. Um, for those who don't know Jordan Peele, he is uh, one half of the comedy duo uh, Key and Peele from Comedy Central, but also notably recently was the director for the fantastic, I highly recommend, movie Get Out. Right. But, um, yeah. uh, I can't even talk about it too much without spoiling it, but it's a rather good movie. <laughs> it covers uh, race relations in a way you've probably never seen before. Right. And is- yeah. yeah, I do have to watch that one too. Um, yeah, it's funny, the, the Twilight Zone the, on uh, Space Channel here at 7.30, I think it is, they, they re- they've been rebroadcasting the Twilight Zone episode. So I've been watching a lot of them sort of catch up on them. If people haven't seen them, they're from, yeah, from 1959 on CBS. Rod Sterling created this uh, this sort of alternate um, set of tales for people to watch. Very sort of, uh, very interesting, um, just sort of mind-twisty, you know, parallel university kind of trippy stories. A lot of them like nuclear holocaust and stuff like that. Things that were the scary things of the time um, sort of played out in sort of these sort of short stories, if you will, that were the Twilight Zone. And I think they'd try to do the Twilight Zone TV show um, in the 80s, I want to say, right? Um, or was it not? I think so. Yeah. I, I think there was a revival of some sort for that. And um, it should be noted here that, boy, oh boy, I kind of you know, guessed this would be the case, but it's going to be exclusive to CBS All Access. I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah. In the United States, I, I imagine it would probably be free on, on Netflix or something for Canada. Or space, probably Space Channel or, or Showcase or whoever owns the rights to that stuff, right? So, yeah. So, CBS All Access after Discovery ends is probably probably going to end up continuing to to stay on my uh, my bills my list of bills i think yeah yeah well you know i'm paying for amazon prime if it wasn't for the free shipping i wouldn't be using it much <laughs> tv uh but we'll talk about that on the other podcast later on all right war games reboot war games really hmm. what's this about he said clicking on the link this one requires some context so one i think people need to be aware of the 1980s movie starring matthew broderick called war games where a, a young hacker uh back in the day before that was a rather negative thing. Like this is literally a guy just like hacking on his computer and accidentally breaks into a um, military, a U.S. military nuclear simulation, what he believes to be a game that actually turns out to be an actual interface to, whoops, uh, this artificial intelligence is going to blow up the world by, you know, firing off the nukes um, sort of thing. Uh, this uh, video game company that's been involved with this is also noted for having created the rather interesting interactive story called Her Story, uh, a game where you, you almost sort of experience the game by playing as a, oh boy, I forget the plot, but you're like uh, an investigator, let's say, and you're reviewing all of these clips in this database about this uh, this woman who's been brought in for questioning um, related to a, a murder that has occurred. And without spoiling much, you essentially find out more details by listening very close attention to you know dates, places, names, relationships, that sort of thing she mentions. And you end up having to do like searching on the database to find other clips that will inevitably lead you to the conclusion. Um, that same company is going to be doing a interactive experience slash video game called Hashtag War Games um, that I'm guessing will be very similar where you, the way that you interact with the game will change your experience of what the story is. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Like those choose your adventure kind of games, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I think about it as. So is this a game or is it a, or a movie that's coming out? The, the link here for Gizmodo is, is rather unclear. A, a different story I saw made it sound more 
video gamey to me. Like it's actually going to be like you know her story um, available. Oh, I so, see, like, but told through the same sort of story, ads. right? Um, so they called it like an interactive experience. I think because it's it's kind of in between. It's not really like a movie that you just a TV show. You just sit down, you watch it. You don't interact at all. Uh, nor is it quite as interactive as a a straight up uh, mechanics driven game like you know Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. It's kind of a little bit more in between, uh, similar to the uh, Telltale series of games where you have some control of where the plot goes by making choices along the way. Right, right. Okay, all right. So let's talk about the... Oh, spoilers! For those of you coming up and not paying attention, we're going to be talking about the Orville episode number 11, New Dimensions. Um, so, Jaime, do you want to do the recap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- this show, this episode of the Orville, I think is the the bottle episode for John Lamar. The, the bottle episode? episode? Is that the right term? I might be using the wrong term, but remember we were talking about these different character episodes. maybe? Yeah. But yeah. There's an actual term and we'll need Jonathan to fact check this, but like the idea is like an episode dedicated to let's learn about this particular character. And we've had that for just about everybody in the main, uh, the main cast. Sure. Yeah. Um, In this one, it begins uh, with uh, Lamar and Gordon, the um, the pilot. Uh, They prank Yafit, the gelatinous engineer, by somehow removing a piece of his body and putting it in the buffet where Bordas ends up consuming it and it leads to a lot of uh, a comedy there. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Part of the context is that this is uh, at a party. The reason for the buffet is that uh, the chief engineer is leaving the Orville so he's going to get an opportunity to design a space station, um, which uh, future speculation, if they turn out to, uh, like a spinoff as like a Deep Space Nine sort of thing, I'm going to be laughing until I fall out of my chair. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> you know, we've said that like this this show is, is like the spiritual successor or shadow or parallel to the next generation. So having it turned into a Deep Space Nine sort of thing uh, would would be uh, quite humorous to me. But back to the recap. So uh, while reviewing, um, like, you know, what sort of punishment do we want to do, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, admonishment on Lamar's record, she looks, uh, Kelly looks through the first officer, she looks at the records and realizes, wait a minute, the, Lamar's got these super high test scores from the Academy. And um, she ends up quizzing him about it. And it turns out that, uh, yeah, he grew up on um, kind of like a like a farming or small knit community where it was really more um, blue collar job, you, you know, just do your work and have your beer and go home sort of thing. And in order to fit in, he decided not to uh, not to show off his his intellectual skills. So you know, he wouldn't get beat up as like the weird dork. And at this point, uh, Kelly's like, "Well, I'm just going to see if I can convince Captain Mercer. Like, hey, we need a new chief engineer. Maybe we should give Lamar a try." And of course, this sounds crazy because you know, Yafit is the next one in line. Uh, he's already an engineer and he's also has not just committed, you know, this bodily crime on, on another uh, another part of the crew. Uh, it's around this time that the ship collides with a uh, spatial anomaly that causes weird things to happen, like a plant in one area is like suddenly just like dead. It's, it looks like it's dried out and, and past its prime. Um, they run into a smuggling ship that also they try to convince, hey, uh, you should watch out for this particular anomaly. He says, ah, oh, whatever, you don't, you're not the boss of me. Runs in the anomaly. That ship loses all power. The, the Orville goes over to investigate. They realize that dude is like straight up dead and he looks horrific. Uh, they also realize he's um, smuggling krill weapons. The krill, you might remember, being the um, right. main antagonist yep. in one of the codes. And uh, Mercer ends up uh, along the way here giving a chance and say, hey, uh, all right, let, let, let's see if Lamar can lead the uh, the crew here on uh, the, the science and engineering crew on a, a mission to, to help figure out what the heck is going on with this anomaly. 
differently. And they realize it's two-dimensional space that they ran across. And that's why everything was all messed up. You know, if you, the, the way they posited for the deaths of both the plant and the smuggler was that, oh, when you have three-dimensional space, you have the ability for your DNA and all the proteins that are a, a three-dimensional helix. Those work great. But if you hit two-dimensional space unprotected, you end up flattening that structure and completely destroying the proteins. Um, it's somewhere along the way here, the krill show up and are looking for their weapons. And so the crew sort of has no choice but to escape into the 2D space by protecting themselves in the uh, quantum bubble. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was Lamar's suggestion with Yafit to say, hey, like, can we do this? I think we can go in and hide to where the krill can't find us. Uh, inside, they, they reference Flatland, the novel or no- novella perhaps from uh, a very long time ago that covers a what if the world was two-dimensional? What would society and life be like? And uh, unfortunately, they realize that the quantum bubble that is protecting them from dying in two-dimensional space is also uh, not stable and they need to get the heck out of there. And so they end up using the uh, one of the shuttles in two-dimensional space to uh, tractor the Orville. And somewhere along the way, they make a uh, Doctor Who reference as well as Oscar the Grouch and uh, Snoopy Doghouse reference where they're going to have things larger on the inside than they are on the outside sort of thing. And uh, Lamar really takes command of, of the whole situation uh, as being responsible for you know uh, implementing this idea and uh, admonishing some of the engineering crew who are blaming Yafit for uh, some of the mistakes here. Uh, and the crew gets out and uh, we have a little bit of a tender moment where um, Captain Mercer thanks Callie and, and kisses her on the cheek. And at the end of the episode, uh, Lieutenant Commander John Lamar becomes Chief Engineer of the Orville. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting episode. I mean, again, I, I, I guess it was an interesting story from that point of view but again I found it again another weak episode I don't know I don't know what I'm expecting from this show to be honest with you um, I didn't you know I I, I just uh, you know I, I just found it expositionally very weak the story wasn't that you know interesting to me um, you know and I, and I just don't buy uh, Captain Mercer when he gets upset with what the crew does like you know they, they, he was trying to chastise them for you know for getting a guy to eat another guy kind of thing like, you know, like that's how he put it right that just doesn't make sense to me, right? Um, how they approach it. So I don't know. What did you think about it? Yeah, I, I wonder if this episode, even though what is this episode 11? 11, so, yeah. Even though this is episode 11, I kind of feel like this episode must have been written earlier than the other, uh, some of the others. Because it, it feels like part of the early episodes of the Orville where they hadn't quite figured out the balance in the tone. Are they going to go funnier? Right. Are they right. going to oh, go yeah. serious? Um, some of the best episodes that we've enjoyed on this show, I think, have been ones that lean a little bit more serious, but then have, you know, some jokes here and there. Comic relief, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that the um, I, I think that when when um, Yafit comes into the sick bay and he and he wants to talk to the doctor about not feeling well. She kind of reacts like you're the last person I want to see, right? Which doesn't make sense in terms of continuity from the last episode, right? Where they get it on, right? If you remember, that was the last episode, wasn't it? Uh, ooh, because we've had a break. If it wasn't, oh last no, episode, it, was, it was the Rob, yeah, the Rob Lowe episode where where Rob Lowe is this this uh, mag, you know, he touches people and they become uh, <laughs> unable to to uh, to control themselves, as it were, right? The Weinstein effect. Um, yeah, I mean, granted, they were not quite themselves, and it's a little 
little unclear um, from even that episode with the, the pheromones thing as to how much it makes you act beyond what you would ordinarily do. Is it um, like being slightly inebriated where you release inhibitions for things you already wanted to do? Or is it more like you're three sheets to the wind and you're doing things you would never do because you have no control whatsoever? Yeah. Uh, you're right. So it does feel, uh, I, it doesn't feel like a plot hole per se, but it does feel like it's a little bit more of a reaction than, than what you would expect given the shared experience that they had. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of like where she was before, where she was before in her relationship with him, but, but then kind of strange the way it came out. And then, um, and yet, you know, he still has, you know, they, they, he has the ability to go inside of, um, Bortus and, and retrieve himself. Right. So, I mean, there's some, some jokes at, at the expense of, you know, Bortus's innards that they, they reuse throughout the show. But, uh, you know, and some of the, I mean, the, the comedy isn't that funny enough. Like, you know, in shows like Family Guy and The Simpsons and stuff like that, where, or even South Park, you know, it's, it's just borderline ridiculous all the time. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I think when, when I mean, we talked about this before, but I think when we kind of saw the Orville was coming out, we thought it, it would be that kind of space balls kind of, you know, uh, thing like, like Mel Brooks did with space balls, right? We just like every second line was, was just camp, right? Um, so I, I, when they try to be serious on this show, I, I, you know, especially with with um, Seth MacFarlane, I just can't take him being serious. You know, you know, I wonder what he's like as a dad. <laughs> right. You know, like because because uh, when he's when he looks like he's getting angry, I'm like, are you are you kidding? Really? Are you like or or as Jonathan says, it's kind of like Brian sort of chastising them, right? Because it's the Brian voice that he kind of has when he's uh, when he's trying to be stern and official, like, right? So right, right. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think you know it, it, it's not like my favorite episode. It's uh, it's certainly not the worst. It's kind of That's in the true. middle. It's kind true. of an average episode of the Orville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hmm. whereas um, I will say that uh, I do think that uh, the acting by um, Isaacs, um, oh yeah, act is uh, it, I think is a little bit underrated on on the show because he has a couple of moments. Um, he has a couple of moments, and I'm like, wow, that was acted really well considering I literally cannot see this guy's face. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's just a, a mask with with two glowing bulbs. Yeah. Uh, which is ridiculous in itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the, the joke with, uh, related to the, are we bonding? Yeah. Where he right, goes yeah. and, and, and strokes Gordon's well, arm. You gotta, you gotta tell the story. He was actually, you know, um, they were talking about having a cat, like, a as a, as a sort of, a, you know, something to, to have the bond, the crew bond. And, um, Isaac says, why would we want a cat? And, and, uh, uh Gordon, is it Gordon? Yeah. He explains that, uh, you know, so you have some affection or whatever on the on the ship and we could bond together and stuff like that and then and then a few minutes later you find Isaac petting um Gordon right <laughs> right yeah so I think the other one towards the tail end of the episode that was a little bit telling because they could have played it differently was when uh, when Lamar like uh, overhears the engineers who are uh, making fun of Yafit and and blaming him for their their misfortunes he really takes command and is like hey you know if you have anyone you want to blame it's me it was my idea and takes charge of the situation there's a little moment there where they show um, they show Isaac sort of looking at Lamar for just a little bit longer as if it, to imply to the viewer that there's a realization like oh wow like he's he's actually taking command here right this is right. 
Right, right. This is leadership. Um, whereas if they if they wanted to, I mean, Isaac's a robot, right? Like, he just about, you know he looks at him and then looks immediately away. It's like okay, robot. I don't care. That's not critical to my function. So sure, yeah, yeah. I think throughout this this whole series, they've uh, if you go back and rewatch, there are interesting little moments and tells that the, the actor is able to get through, even though he can't emote with his face. Right, right. Yeah, it must be tough. I mean, because I was we we're just talking on on roundabout just before this that um, communication, a lot of communication is body language, right? So which which is kind of strange because you can't get that. Um, you know, when when Isaac's does speak, he he doesn't just sit there and and spew spew words like Sheldon or Spock does. He he actually moves with his talks with his hands, if you will, right? Sort of thing. Yeah, which is kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, hmm. yeah. There was a character. I don't know if you ever did you ever see a show called Barney Miller. Remember Barney Miller? I'm familiar with the show, but I must admit I don't think I've really watched the show. It was a New York cop show, right? And but there was one uh, police person, police officer there. Um, I forgot I'm trying to remember his name now. Dietrich or something like that. Um, who was just off the wall. Like he was like the Isaac of the Barney Miller police station. Like all the, you know, the guys in Barney Miller police station, they all had their sort of, you know, sort of like uh, Abe Vigoda was the old cop on it. And, you know, Hal Linden was the, the, the Barney Miller character. And they had a uh, Chinese officer playing, you know, the Oriental stereotypes. And then they had a young kid kind of like Woody on Cheers, right? But they had this guy uh, who was off the wall. like, And he was he was just like this. Like the things he said on the show, you kind of had, you kind of did a double take because they were never, they were never just things a smart person would say. It was things that a very intelligent person would say and I find if I find Isaac is that same kind of character like just sort of there's more going on there than just you know what you're seeing like you know like you said it takes repeated watchings to sort of catch the nuance of what he's doing right so mm-hmm. yeah, it was just what like I said there's one character on the show who um, I think his name was oh Landisberg or something like that was his last name um, yeah he's not with us anymore but yeah he was he was super funny on that show like from the point of view but 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 not funny haha but funny oh my god that was that was incredibly intelligently funny you know sort of thing anywho i digress we'll have to have people have to go back and try and find barney miller and watch it and see what i'm talking about jonathan may maybe recall we'll find out next week when he joins us again all right um anything more we want to say about this show there wasn't very much to it again i think again it's funny though like when we talked about the the seven shows that are great the seven shows that are so so and seven shows that are throw away which one which one do you think this one fits into probably the so so ones right yeah i think so i think it's it's kind of an average episode if you if you missed it, you wouldn't miss much other than changing of the guard at the uh, chief engineer position. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of unceremonious. It was just sort of you would kind of wonder like, why is the actor leaving the show? What's the point? And or was he only signed on to be the chief for a number of episodes? Right, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Yeah, and the buffets are kind of weird. The the food they feed these people. <laughs> <laughs> Strange looking things. Um, all right. So do you have a you have a pick this week, right? I do. Um, it's a Netflix show that I it's not a want to see because I actually got around to, to binging it this past weekend. It's called Dark. And uh, how do I describe the premise without giving away? So I'll, I'll read the Netflix description, which says, In 2019, a local boy's disappearance strokes fear in the residents of Winden, a small German town with a strange and tragic history. So off the cuff, it sort of sounds like, oh, is this like German strange? Things <laughs> just sort of like yeah, it's like oh, sounds like like the trailer made it seem like German Stranger Things, and it's really not. It's it's if you go in expecting Stranger Things, it's not at all like that. It's not uh, it's not an homage uh, to the eighties. It's not uh, it's not quite as funny. It definitely leans a little bit more in the um, uh, dark and horrific. And uh, a big reason for bringing it up on this show is that it's uh, it leans in the um, like science 
horror or science mystery. I'm not really sure what is genre. Like X-Filey kind of thing or? Yeah, kind of, kind of like X-Files. Yeah. Highly recommend it's what, 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think it stars anybody that I happened to recognize it. Right. It looks like it was a German show that was picked up by Netflix to bring across. Right. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Cool. Is it, but it's all done in English? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you we just haven't watched it. Well, because I, I, I didn't go in to change the settings because it was sort of like, well, I'll just leave the remote control alone and just let, let the binge happen. Um, it has, uh, English subtitles and I think they have an English dub, which is what we. Oh, I see. Right. So it was dubbed and subtitled. But if I were to go back, I would wager that they probably have, uh, the original German language as well. If you want to listen to it that way and then also have, uh, the English subtitles. Yeah. I kind of wondered about that because I, when I was watching Netflix the other day, I was thinking like, okay, well, that's a difference between like if you have a disc, you can switch the language. But so, but in Netflix, you can switch the language if there's an English, like another audio track, I guess so, right? Because what if you do if you're French yeah. or Spanish, right? Yeah. And it's not, uh, not for everything, but for the, the shows and content that you do have for that, it's rather appreciated. And I would say for this one, um, the dubbing was actually pretty good. I feel like the characters, the voice actors that you chose were, were pretty well represented. And it was not, it was not very distracting, which you can sometimes end up with in a dub. Um, I think right. people are probably yeah. thinking of like those old uh, 1980s kung fu movies from Hong Kong. Well, Crouching like, Tiger, Hidden Dragon was, was, had an English soundtrack as well, which was a lot easier to watch on, on the Blu-ray or the, or the DVD, but, uh, it didn't match their mouths exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, like the old kung fu movies, those were ridiculous the way they used to do those, right? Yeah. The yeah. Were, were exaggerated too, right? Yeah. I think, um, a parody movie, Kung Pao did the best example of this where they, you know, they took the, the stitched together a few, uh, kung fu movies. And at one point, some guy is talking to his friend and he, you can see the Chinese actor moving his mouth for about 10 seconds. And then the English voice goes, right. Yeah. I know. I was like, what? No. <laughs> I was like, that's terrible dubbing, like actively terrible dubbing. <laughs> this, this is kind of the opposite of that because that was played for comedic effect. Yeah. Well, I guess there's so many different words you could say, right? So mm-hmm. or I guess for, for what he was saying. Yeah. It's funny, funny stuff. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. My, my pick obviously is duh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, you know, hello, like six more sleeps or seven more sleeps till we get to see that baby. So a week from tomorrow, I will be watching Star Wars and I believe you will too, right? Hammy? Yes. I will be seeing it at 7 p.m. Pacific time on uh, Thursday, the, what is that? The 14th? Yeah. The 14th. So have you, have you been avoiding the trailers and stuff that are all, all over TV? Cause I mean, like there's car commercials using the Star Wars theme. There's, you know, we just saw the Columbia jackets from, from, uh, for the Hoth, Hoth ice scene and stuff like that. Ice, ice village, ice winter, Hoth winter planet. I don't know. I'll dub that in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, like car commercials are using the last Jedi theme music and stuff like that as well. And, and there's been all these different uh, cuts of the trailer that I've seen, but I've been sort of fast forwarding them on my, on my PVR. I've been watching them. Don't want to ruin anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that similar to the force awakens, even if you did watch the whole combination of the trailers, you still wouldn't know much of what's going on. I felt like I was still very surprised when I went into the force right. awakens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've not, I've not been actively avoiding them, but I've not been actively seeking them out either. Uh, with the exception of the the main trailer that came out on Monday Night Football, that's true. And, and Rogue One was kind of a strange movie because we kind of know how Rogue One ends. Like you know, um, 
or did we know going in that it was going to end the way it did? Well, uh, mm. like getting into yeah. too much spoiler territory, we like we knew it was the story of how the Death Star plans made their way. Um, so we kind of knew that. Well, it has to end somewhat positively, right? I mean, they right, must yeah, succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point of this whole movie? Is like, oh no, it turns out you know, it turns out it was a completely different group of people who did this stuff, uh, like some crazy fake. Um, it, it doesn't you know end like that. It doesn't go like that. But I, it was in a tricky situation where it's a it's an interquel where it's post Revenge of the Sith and pre A New Hope. So you, there's only so much that can sort of happen, right? You know that like, okay, well, they got to get from point A to point B, right? But the story is, how do they get there? Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the internet, where do they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. As I always say, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And we will see you guys in the future. Bye. Bye. That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. over there i gotta get my phone so i can text him or like yeah i gotta get my phone i'll be right back okay talk amongst yourselves (laughs) to myself apparently When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.